Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the United Feed Podcast, and we're here with Tim. Tim actually is in Haiti right now. We're going to talk about his trip out there. We're going to talk about his day um, and how he, how it went and how he's doing right now. Uh, where we're going. So, yeah, so Tim, welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, just down here in Haiti. Uh, when did you get there? busy day today. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I came down... On December 28, maybe 27, it was somewhere a couple days after Christmas. December 28, wow. Mm-hmm. And um, when what went through your head on the day that you were going to fly out? Um, we were just excited to get back. So we, we went back for uh, my wife's brother had a wedding, and so we had to quarantined for two weeks and then had the wedding and then kind of quarantined a little bit and then came back down to Haiti. So we've, we've had been on the road for quite a bit. So it was kind of nice to get back. Haiti's kind of our home now. So it was kind of nice to get back home after that long trip. <laughs> really? It's considered your home right now? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the people, uh, let's see, when you were talking to your family, so you said that you were here and then you were talking. So when you were having discussions with your family about it, what were their opinions on you guys flying out there? Uh, or was it kind of just all positive? Everybody's really happy and excited for you guys just to be out there. There's no concerns at all. Um, my mom would say, I'm really excited you're going. Oh, awesome. I also know that. I can't convince you to stay. <laughs> <laughs> She's a mother. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So mothers worry. And so there's, mm. there's always some amount of that, but, um, my mom was quite, quite comfortable with it. And she knows that this is what we want to do. So, Oh, that's awesome. It was, yeah. Having was family support. Do you talk to your family often while you're um, yeah. out there? Yeah. We generally talk about the same as in the States about once a week. So, Oh. I usually call my mom on Friday or Sunday, and that's pretty standard. <laughs> oh, that's that's really cool. And also your wife, she also talks to her family as well when you guys are out there too? Yeah, we we generally do about once a week. So we Wow. It's good to always have a good connection with your family while you're out there. Um, do you think that helps mm-hmm. a lot when you're in the mission field to have that sense of um, – like you're okay with your family, so you don't have to worry about them so much. Are yeah, my mom, my mom and I were actually talking about that. Ironically, when we talked on maybe it was last Monday, um, she went to Japan when she was in college for a year, mm-hmm. and she she kind of struggled at times because she was so far away from home, and you couldn't just make a phone call because it was so expensive. Oh, um, yeah. At the time, it was like two or three dollars a minute and money was a little was worth a little more back then and so she she wouldn't often call home but when she did she really enjoyed it and so having the opportunity to just call whenever I want or you know it's Tuesday I I finished my work early or I I don't really have anything in the afternoon I can just call my mom and and chat with her so it's it's quite nice and we're we're only about three hours time zone different so it's it's not a big deal it's not like you have to kind of plan when you're going to call too much like you do if you're um, a little further around the world. Mm-hmm. That that's actually really true. So you wouldn't have to if you're in Japan. That time distance is much bigger, and it would be more difficult to time everything. But how was your flight? 
Was it hard yeah. for you to get on the plane? Was there anything that um, you had to do in order to get there? No, so it was actually quite nice. Um, our medical director for the hospital, his name is um, Dr. Scott Nelson. And so he, we flew with him. And so he is a A-list member because he flies back and forth quite often to the U.S. because he still um, is partially involved in a practice in the U.S. to keep his skills up. And so when we flew with him, we were able to check more bags. So it's just a ton of baggage comes with us whenever we fly with him. So we had, um, we each person in his party gets uh, three 70 pound bags. So we traveled with <laughs> nine 70 pound bags back down. So that was, that was the hardest part. If you can really call it hard, it's just moving luggage around, which isn't a big deal. Oh, wow. He travels a lot. Wow. He must travel a lot. Yeah. Back and forth all the time. And when you yeah. got picked... well, I don't know that. Hmm? Yeah, I don't exactly know how it works, but oh. I'm, I'm pretty sure somebody added them to his list or something, or I, I don't know how it works, but he he yeah. travels a fair amount too. So, <laughs> and when you got picked up, was it pretty easy since you're with him and there's a lot of baggage and whatnot? Um, how was the um, how was when you were landing and when you were getting out of checkout um, and when you were trying to get everything moved out and you guys were going to the hospital, was there any complications, any confusions during that time when you're transferring? No, we haven't. We've, I'm not going to say perfected, but we have a, a really good driver who is very dependable. So he, he's always right on time. He gets there about an hour early. So he, he shoots to arrive when your flight will arrive and it takes about, 45 minutes to get through customs. So he's usually waiting for you by the time you're done. Um, so he, uh, his name is Mr. Michel and he's very, very much on time. He likes to get you to your flights three hours in advance. Um, I, I don't know of anybody who's missed their flight (laughs) (laughs) from our hospital. So, Oh yeah. That's like my dad. My dad always comes, he does like one of those, he'll always come hours early, even though it's not necessary. And just to make sure that you're there and everything is right. And if there's anything else you need to get, wow, what an awesome yeah. pickup. Well, the reason yeah, why so I you asked can just text him your flight information and he'll be there. Wow. And the reason why I ask about that is, you know, some people believe because you're on a mission, because you're going to places like Haiti outside of the United States or out of the UK, that it's more complicated or it's harder in some ways. But it seems that there is no difference. It didn't seem very difficult for you. At all? No, it's, landing. it's basically just like texting your mom that you're coming home. You know, you <laughs> text your mom and then she comes and picks you up. Like it's, <laughs> it's a very, it's a very easy system that we work around. So, um, he drives the ambulance over and it's. Oh, really he drives the ambulance. Deal. Sometimes it can be a little frustrating to get through customs. Oh, okay. Um, but usually, if you carry an extra twenty dollars, it you you can get through pretty easily. So. <laughs> Wait, why would you need to carry that extra 20? Um, it just ends up that way. So oh. uh, some of the security at the airport or the custom agents will kind of ask for bribes or oh. um, ask you to pay a certain amount to get your baggage through. So um, <laughs> wow. it's rarely an issue for us because we don't really carry medications we buy most of those in country and the medications are what they they don't want you bringing in oh i see um, or they're a little harder on mm-hmm. but if you don't if you don't have a medication they're pretty easy on you but oh. sometimes you have to pay a little bit to get through oh okay and uh, how are your accommodations uh when you, we, when you got there yeah so we 
where we live is quite nice. We have hot water, air conditioner. We have electricity um, 23 hours and 50 minutes a day. There's five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night where they switch the generators over. And I wouldn't even call it five minutes. It's more of a blink of power usually. Um, sometimes there's a few blinks throughout the day when they switch to city power. When they run the generator, um, sometimes we get power to the hospital. So it just depends. But for the most part, we we have power 24-7. We have a gas stove. It's, it's pretty easy living down here. So when you're talking about just the normal, so these all are really, really nice luxuries um, and you get them all the time and you haven't had an issue so far at least. And you've been there for quite some time now, right? About a month. Yeah, we've been here for a month total. We've been here for um, around four months now. Four months. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. And how is the food? I know that's not one of the questions, but I just wanted to ask that question. Yeah, so food is pretty standard here. We, the cafeteria, I think we might have talked about this before, but the cafeteria serves rice and beans um, or some variation of that with a vegetable every day. So we, um, part of our contract is that lunch is provided, uh, cafeteria lunch every day, which makes life much easier just because we're we're busy it's hard to kind of stop your day cook and then go back to work so it's quite nice we just run to the cafeteria and grab food anytime we need oh so that's it's usually rice and beans or beans with rice or some combination of those two (laughs) and it's it's quite nice they oftentimes will add like eggplant or um like a carrot peas kind of curry type thing it's I wouldn't, it's not a curry, but it's like a sauce that they kind of put on the side or, um, they'll make like a black bean sauce or pinto bean sauce that you put on top of the rice. So it's, it varies quite a bit from day to day. We haven't gotten sick of it yet, (laughs) but that day may come. (laughs) Um, but you guys, you guys eat outside as well. Correct. So at home we eat normal things that we would cook in the U S so. You can go to, it's called Deli Mart. That's where we buy our groceries. So they have most, probably 95% of things you can find in the U.S. Um, They may not have them every day or every week, but they oftentimes will have them once a month. And so you just kind of buy it when you see it. But we'll grab pasta. We'll grab, um, you can get chips. You can get salsa. You can get just about anything you really want. Um, you may pay a little bit more for it, especially if it's like an American food that mm. um, you're looking. Salsa is relatively expensive. It's probably $4 for a, a jar, whereas you'd probably pay maybe 250 for the same thing in the U.S. So it's a little more expensive. Maybe it's closer to $5 sometimes or $6, but it just it depends when you go and what the exchange rate is doing. And it's, The exchange rate's been a little crazy lately, so. It's going back the way we want it to go mm-hmm. if you're American, which is not necessarily a good thing for the Haitians, but oh. um, it's it's kind of moving around quite a bit. So, Do you keep a lot of your money in American currency, U.S. currency, and then, yeah. um, then convert it as you need it? Correct. 
So because the exchange rate has changed so much, so when we first arrived, it was 120. It then dropped down to 60-ish. It was right around 60 for a while. And then now it's back up to, um, in town, I'll get 85 at a store. So their exchange rate, the store's exchange rate, when you like pay with a credit card, um, is around 85. Oh, and so explain this credit card thing. So when you... You have a U.S. credit card, and you can use it mm -hmm. in Haiti normally? Yeah, I just have a travel credit card. that It's Bank of America Travel Rewards or something like that. Um, and you can buy whatever you need in the, in the city. They usually require that you have at least two forms of identification. So you do have to carry your passport and your driver's license, which is not a big deal. Mm. I didn't know that. Can you drive mm -hmm. there? Yes. Oh, I really? use my U.S. driver's license, yep. Oh, so the U.S. driver's license works. Mm-hmm. It's valid in Haiti. Um, they can confiscate them, and that happens on occasion, but we know someone in the police department, and um, they <laughs> can nice. get it back for you in about a, two or three days. <laughs> oh, why would they confiscate it from you? Um, if you don't have the correct paperwork or if they just don't like um, sometimes it could be a little bit of a show of force or if you're driving illegally or something like that. Oh. So, um, roads in Haiti are relatively, um, variable. So if there's something in the road, you may end up on the wrong side of the road. And so sometimes you will be say passing a car on the left side of the road mm -hmm. when you shouldn't be, Ooh. but because maybe a car is broken down or because you want to get around a car, you end up on the other side of the road. And so, they can confiscate your license for various things. Um, down here, you have to pay for to have your windows tinted, and they oftentimes will change the restrictions on that window tint and what documents you need to have. And oh, so, um, one of our one of our friends that works here at the hospital, he's lived here for I think ten or fifteen years now, and he has his truck tinted. And so what they do is they carry a razor blade, and if you can't show the correct paperwork, they will either confiscate your license or they will start scraping the tint off your windows and put some nice big dings in it. Um, <laughs> so they, it's, it's just one of those things that happens, and so they, they oftentimes will change the paperwork um, twice in the same month sometimes. It just depends, and so you have to pay a certain amount of money at the um, – the equivalent of a, a DMV to to get the correct sticker or paperwork to have in your car so that you they don't take a razor blade to your windows or take your <laughs> license. So it, there's various reasons reasons and sometimes you are doing something wrong and sometimes you aren't. So <laughs> uh, what? And you do ride? Um, you you're telling me you had a bike over there in Haiti? Yeah, you... I have a, a motorcycle. Uh, what type of motorcycle you got there? It's um. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's okay. Very close to a dirt bike. It's more like a. Uh, it's like the equivalent of a cross trek, like a Subaru cross trek for a dirt bike. So it's kind of mm. for the road, kind of for the street, um, kind of for dirt biking. And so it's seats two people. So my wife and I can ride up into the mountains and go drive around Haiti if we need to or run to the store and grab some food or mm. 
whatever we need to do, we can kind of take it and grab stuff. <laughs> and have you uh, been going out more often? Because uh, it's been a while. You've been there for a bit. Have you been, you know, doing little trips? Yeah. So we, I think it was the second week we were here. Um, Dr. Scott has a, a friend and that friend owns a home up in the mountains. And so he, he let us go visit. And so we went up for a Sabbath and just kind of had a nice kind of peaceful retreat up in the, in the hills of Haiti. Yeah. So that was really, really nice. We, we got to relax and you can, you can look at my Instagram if you want to see more oh, information yeah. about that. Um, if you want to share it online, you can, if you don't, that's fine too. <laughs> Yeah, I can uh, either email it to you or request me as a friend, and I can add you. Oh, perfect! Yeah, so I can look can at it. Because I mm -hmm. think that that's it's almost to be honest. When I'm <laughs> I'm like reading through my notes, I'm like, is this a vacation or is this a clinical? It's thing? honestly quite nice. Like it's <laughs> it's really nice so far. So I I have no complaints, and my wife and I realize we we end up working quite a bit. So we we generally do forty plus hour weeks every week oh. and so it's we're i think we're probably usually working about 45 50 hours a week which is it's a lot but we we've really enjoyed the work we've been doing so it's been quite fun have you felt that you've been quite useful out there um my wife would describe it as people in the u.s didn't realize how useful i was and then i came down here and suddenly people realized that i could <laughs> fix a lot of things <laughs> so um, from chainsaws to, uh, most recently I've been working on some autoclaves to get those up and running. So that's a, an autoclave is a sterilizer for, um, <clears throat> surgery equipment and various, uh, gowns or different things that they use in, um, operating rooms. Um, so I've been working on fixing some of those. There was a little bit where all three of ours were down. Oh, and no. So we did some repairs to get at least one running, and now we have all three back up and running. So, how do that you feels really good to have those those working? Oh, sorry, I was interrupting. But how do you figure out how to fix these things? Um, I since I was a kid, I loved taking things apart. Um, my mom could tell you when I was probably like five, I would grab a broken radio that was sitting in the garage, and I would take it apart and bust it up into as many pieces as I could, <laughs> and then sometimes try and put it back together. And as I got older, I was able to kind of start fixing some things here and there. Um, so it's just kind of something I've always, always done. But if you watch enough YouTube videos, mm -hmm. you can fix just about anything. It's <laughs> kind of my, my theory. So definitely have YouTube, um, <laughs> YouTube handy down here. Yeah. So you've been using YouTube to get some help while you're fixing these things or ideas of how to fix some stuff while you're down there. Yeah. So the uh, the chainsaw, for example, we had to install a new um, uh, it's a tab that spins out when you pull the pull cord to start uh -huh. it. And so somebody had installed it and tried to get it running and couldn't quite get it. And quite literally, the only thing they had wrong is they had flipped the spring upside down. And so uh... we turned the spring around and then the, the pieces split out correctly. And then they grabbed onto the, the pull cord. Um, gear so that it would turn the motor over. So some of this stuff is very simple stuff, but if you don't have the right tools, it can be just a little frustrating. Um, some of the other stuff has been a little more complex. We did a head gasket on a lawnmower. 
Um, again, nothing crazy, but. Oh, that's pretty just, crazy to me. That's it awesome. It takes time. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to, I mean, all the stuff that you're talking about, it sounds like you're taking a vacation, like a working vacation. You're still working, but you're having fun doing what you love to do. And it seems that you have a really good working environment. Yeah, so the environment down here is really nice. We um, we have a maintenance crew that that we we want to to have them fix stuff first. And if they are not, unable, I, I it usually ends up somewhere at my office <laughs> until I can. Usually, oftentimes it's a struggle here to find parts. So you can absolutely go to town and buy a brand new chainsaw. They don't have oil for the chainsaw. They don't have a chain, and they don't have a chain bar or a spark plug. So how do you repair the chainsaw if something breaks? You can't because there's no parts. And so it's really it can be really frustrating here because we have access because people come and go so often that we will Amazon stuff to people's houses the night before they're coming down so that we can fix something down here the next day. Um, which it takes a day just to go to town. So shipping something to somebody in the U S and then having them bring it down ends up being oftentimes faster than going to town here. Really? So yeah, can you explain? It's kind of <laughs> ironic. <laughs> Wait, what? So you will get somebody from the U S to Amazon ship it? They're already coming down. Oh, Okay. Yeah, no, it's not like we pay someone to fly back and forth. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, wow. <laughs> no, but <clears throat> if if it was that important to the hospital, we would do it. But oh, I oftentimes see. Um, we have <clears throat> our um, our CEO, uh, Jerry Crispin, he comes down generally about once a month. Oh. <clears throat> and Scott flies back and forth maybe once every other month. The other missionaries that are down here end up flying back and forth quite often. So it's not outrageous to get at least two to three visitors a month that can bring something down for you. Uh, so it's, so it's and not on top out. of that. Mm-hmm. On top sorry, of that. go ahead. No, no, keep going. <clears throat> on top of that, we also have um, students from Loma Linda University coming down. Mm. Um, we're working on um, having students come from the orthotics and prosthetics department from Loma Linda. So those are the the things that are in the works for the hospital. And when are those kid students from Loma Linda coming? I don't have the exact dates, but we're looking for. I think it's their summer break. Ah, uh, summer break. So it would be in about. I don't know. I think we've kind of talked about maybe Juneish, July, somewhere in there. I don't exactly remember okay. um, when the break is, but something like that. Sometime in the next three to four months, I think we might get some down. <clears throat> and when they're, they're coming down, so now we're going to go into the clinic. Um, so the clinic, mm-hmm. uh, so how's the clinic going and how's the setup for the clinic going? Because the students will Good. be working so in the clinic. Yeah. That's the, that's the dream, but we uh-huh. don't, we make plans and we hope that they fall <laughs> into place. So yeah. um, the container was scheduled to arrive today, actually, uh, in port. So we'll see if Monday, if we get a phone call about that to come, um, basically what you have to do is you have to come inspect the container and make sure everything's still there. And then they release it from customs. And that can take up to three weeks. Um, 
Oh, well, it takes a minimum of three weeks, I should say. At most, it's taken like nine months. But we, we've we refined some paperwork, and we think we've got it this time. So we, <clears throat> we look forward to that. But once that container gets here, that will have the rest of the equipment I need to kind of set up my laboratory. Mm. So we are optimistic that that will be here in the next three to four weeks on campus so that we can start unloading it and getting stuff into my office and other places on campus where we um, of what we ordered for the hospital. So right now what we're looking for is um, that to get released as quick as possible. But next door to my office currently, I kind of have a workshop. But mm-hmm. I, what I'd like to do is expand it in the room next to me and add a patient care portion of my office. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> so that's the next thing that we're going to be working on is, is getting that next door room kind of ready to go and equipped with the materials and things that I need to start up a, a, a clinic. Wow. Have <clears throat> you taken a picture of like your office and your room and things? Yes. I... My wife has them somewhere. <laughs> okay, because I, I think have them on my phone, but my wife does have them. So. Okay, because I think uh, it would be really cool to have that, um, just some pictures or something, or like a video walkthrough of some kind of your office and whatnot. Because yeah. um, mm-hmm. it's going to definitely be changing. I mean, this is just the first few months, right? Um, mm-hmm. Later on, it's probably going to be completely different. For sure, especially yeah. if you do get the container and you do get everything, because then you hope to be putting the students in the container. The, the I, I did that with a question mark, because um, you said you're doing, you're trying to um, come up with a way uh, for students to be able to be in a, a certain place, or you doing container housing. I'm not really sure. I, I'm hoping this is all questions <laughs> yeah. in my brain that I'm shooting so, out to you <laughs> so cautiously. The, so this is a little. It's a little complex. So, ten years ago, they shipped down two two twenty foot shipping containers that basically were the containers themselves were the orthotics and prosthetics lab um, that they shipped down. Um, the containers were sitting on a slab of cement combined with the physical therapy rehab department. Mm-hmm. So we had physical therapy behind the building. We had two shipping containers. That area is going to get um, torn down and turned into a new full rehab building. Um, we've been – the hospital has been raising money. This is before my time, but it's like a million-dollar project to get this thing built and everything going for it. So they've raised the money for it, and now they're getting ready to start building. So those shipping containers are a little bit obsolete and needed to be moved somewhere. So what we did is we converted the 20-foot shipping containers into um, we have a gentleman, uh, a Haitian named Patrick, and he helps take care of um, me and my wife and helps go shopping for us and some different things like that because it's not always um, it's not always the safest for us to go out and certain areas are more safe than others. So mm-hmm. Patrick will go to the markets for us. Um, and it's not that the markets aren't safe per se, but the markets, um, we'll take advantage of a white person coming in and saying that they want mangoes and they'll charge <laughs> them twice as much. Yeah. And so it's a lot cheaper if we pay Patrick to go down and get us stuff. And so Patrick lives on campus with us. Um, and he was living in one of the shipping containers as we are restarting the program. 
And so what we did is we remodeled his and put some new windows in it and um, kind of remodeled his container so that he can now live um, in a different area on campus, kind of more where the housing is instead of behind the rehab building. Uh. And so his shipping container got moved up here, and there's a second shipping container that we want to turn into some guest housing. So when people come and visit for maybe a month or two, they could stay there. So it's going to be more for short-term visitors coming to the hospital. Mm. If you're going to stay for a year or two, we would put you in housing and we would put you in an apartment. But if you're just going to be coming for a small amount of time, we need somewhere to put people. Got it. Because that would be easier as well. Um, just to have something a little bit out of the way, but just short term. So if they're coming in for, let's say the students from Loma Linda come into Haiti, they can just stay Mm -hmm. there. It's safe. You guys know where it is. It's an environment that they can be used to because I'm on campus. It's on campus safe. A stone's throw away from the hospital. Mm. And I think also in not saying that it's always dangerous or it's super dangerous or anything, but um, there's like a mental shift you have to do when you travel and if you're there for a mm-hmm. week it's just very difficult to <laughs> to make that jump so quickly at least my mm-hmm. my personal opinion on traveling it takes me about like oh, three weeks to get really settled in an area what about you did it take you a little bit um it depends it i think the biggest change is is language and so mm-hmm. if you're struggling to communicate wherever you go it's a little different than if you're if you can speak the language. So, going somewhere like the UK, where everybody pretty much everybody speaks English there, yeah. it's much easier to kind of adapt and and get comfortable in a place. Whereas, like coming to Haiti, it's everybody speaks French Creole, and it's it's a little bit different. And so, it just takes a little bit for me more time to get comfortable, but. Now that I've been here for as long as I have, it's it's quite easy to get around, and I know enough of the base language to to fumble my way through and and make enough sense to to get my point across. And um, can you give me an example of this base language that you know? So, a <clears throat> <laughs> uh, uh, simple one would be. Uh, Mop Vinny. So in Creole, they like to condense everything down as much as possible, kind of like we do with don't, do mm. not. So with Creole, it would be Mue Op Vini is, is what I said if you, you know, expand it out. So Mue is I, mm-hmm. uh, Op is future, and Vini is come. So I will come. Moyab Vini. Um, yep. <laughs> oh, or so cool. you could say Moyte uh, Vini. Like, mm. I past tense come. I so will come. I went. Oh, I went. <laughs> yeah. Went. So or I had come. Oh, I had come. Yeah, mm. kind of more it. like past tense. So it's, they're just, a little it's quite simple so if you understand the vocab and then you understand present future and past tense 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's three different words they use roughly most 90% of the time you can get away with three different words for, um, past, present, and future. Um, and so those are kind of the, the three tense markers. And so once you understand the timing of it, it's pretty easy to communicate because you'll, you're, you'll hear those words very, very frequently. Wow. So, you know, so, French. Um, no, I know Creole, <laughs> Creole, I know French Creole. So Got it's it. maybe like 20% of the words translate to French. Oh, <laughs> that's so. a, that's really interesting. <clears throat> I actually think yeah. that that's good that you're also learning the language. And are you guys practicing with locals to learn the language as well? Uh, because you're going to be seeing so when patients. We first, <clears throat> yeah. So when we first came, we had a teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, and wow. So he was kind of, we would have classes with him three times a week. And so that kind of got us the base knowledge. And now we're just kind of expanding vocab. So we understand sentence structure and we understand um, tense markers and how to communicate the language. Really, we just need to add vocab now. So um, I've been working with a bunch of guys. And one of the things we've been working on is building a swimming pool this month. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so we're building a swimming pool. Um, safety is a little bit of a concern down here right now. So, in an, in essence, it's hard to move around, and so we're trying to make the campus a place that we really want to be. And so we kind of had a, decided we've kind of been joking about it since I got here. Uh-huh. But they um, we came up with a plan and we started working on a swimming pool. Um, basically, right when I got back, a couple of days after I got back, I started kind of managing that project. And so that's what I've been doing this month is, is building a swimming pool. <laughs> You're kind of, honestly, this is the biggest vacation, non-vacation, working vacation thing. I'm looking at the lifestyle that you're living, you know, um, at least in my brain, we're just talking about it, but it seems that you have pretty much everything that seems like a lot of fun. You know, you have like adventure, um, you have different types of foods if you wanted um, and you mm-hmm. have different hiking spots. You guys are walking a lot. I remember from the last time you were talking, you guys were walking miles and miles and you got acclimated mm-hmm. to walking so much. And then now you're putting in stuff like swimming pools and living houses and you're fixing things up in the area. It seems that you're trying to make an environment that encourages uh, professionals or healthcare professionals around the world um, to come to this area and volunteer because it's fun and the environment is safe and it's fun and they have an opportunity to learn about the community while also serving uh, while um, also having in like a really open environment. Is that something that you're trying to do in there as well? Yeah, so we our, our goal is to make it somewhere where you want to be and so it limits your travel. And it allows you to get more done. So if imagine if you didn't have to ever drive your car anywhere to get everything you needed. That would be great. Mm-hmm. So in Haiti, most of the population doesn't have a car. Mm. Most people don't have even a motorcycle. So travel in Haiti is really hard. So we our goal is to limit our travel so that we can not necessarily live more like the locals, but so that we can... <clears throat> have everything we need close by, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So they've, we spoke with the the uh, 
His name is Mr. Mackinson, and I don't actually know his title. He's one to step down. He's, we could call him maybe the vice president of the hospital. Mm-hmm. He started out um, 10 years ago working for the hospital um, right after the earthquake, or maybe right before. It was right around that time. And he was basically in Patrick's position helping to manage the missionaries that came down and helped make sure that they could go to the store or whatever they needed to do. He helped out with that. Um, and he wanted to build a pool back then. He's like, yeah, why, <laughs> why should we not? Water down here is free. Yeah. We have plenty of it. There's a spring just above the hospital on the university campus that puts out so much water. I think the hospital could take up to 60 gallons a minute wow. of water. And right now we use like 10 gallons a minute on average per day. Like our peak pull is 10 gallons a minute. So we have plenty of water to pull from. And his his comment was like, why don't we build a pool? We have no reason why we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it employs local people to, to build it. It employs somebody to take care of it. it you know, why, why is this something that we are scared of when there's so many benefits to it? So we <clears throat> we've had the lovely opportunity. I've had the lovely opportunity of working with four to six gentlemen a week um, building this swimming pool this month. So that's four to six people, depending on the week, that have had jobs for this month. And that's wow. to me, is a great thing. Yeah. And when you have the employees and everybody's working on there, it's, it, it, isn't it going to be also used for like physical therapy, occupational therapy? You could use it for those modalities as well? Um, we don't think it will be for that, but we, okay. have, we have discussed using it as a baptismal tank. Ah, so we've kind of set it up in a position where it could be used as that. Mm-hmm. And so we we have tried to be very open-minded as we built it. So, ah. yeah. Do you have the layout now of how everything's going to be? Is there going to be like a deep side, uh, a jacuzzi corner? Yeah. So one of the families here is um, the Cho's. And we have the lovely opportunity to work with um, Michelle Cho, um, husband, uh, wife of... Um, Jeff Cho, uh, Dr. Jeff Cho, who's one of our um, physicians here at the hospital from the U.S. Um, they ironically live um, they live in Loma Linda, very close to my mom. They, our parents live um, about a block away from each other. We can walk to each other's <laughs> parents' houses uh-huh. when, we, when we're in Loma Linda, so uh-huh. that's kind of funny. But <clears throat> she, um, Michelle is an architect, and so she's helped us design a lot of the things around the hospital and has some really, really, really good ideas and ways of doing things that um, I wouldn't think of. And so it's it's great to be able to work with her and <clears throat> allow her kind of energy to flow through these projects and give some really, really good ideas that we, we get to build. So she has the hard job and I have the easy job. I just have to <laughs> look at the picture and make it make, make it happen. ground looks the same way. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I think... Wow, you have a lot of. Um, I'm looking through all these people you've been talking about, and it seems like you have a like a very diverse pool of um, abilities and talents in that area. You know, um, at least in Loma Linda. I mean, in Haiti right now, together, all of you guys in the clinic, because that is great to have an architect to be able to design it, and then for you to lead and manage the team in order to accomplish those goals. Do you find it difficult to manage people in Haiti 
or do you find it that everybody generally has the same idea and um, working together is very easy? Um, no, it's it's pretty easy. At first, I was a little intimidated, mainly because I didn't speak the language and trying to communicate across a language barrier and tell somebody like, I want it done this way and I want it to look this way. And then when you finish, we want to do this and we want this kind of finish on the wood. And that's a hard thing to do when you can't speak a language. <laughs> yeah. And so now that I am able to speak the language and they, some of the guys will speak a little bit of English okay. and between the, between that, we make a pretty good team and can communicate pretty well. So. Wow. I, I really yeah. want to see all of this progress. I'm sure it's on, um, something maybe we can start like another Instagram at some point uh, separated from your personal one um, just so you can just post mm -hmm. some videos on the side or whatever so people can watch your um, watch Haiti grow <laughs> you know because all this stuff in the United States currently you know where I am it seems that we're on this big huge lockdown very slow you know nobody's allowed to do anything type of thing which, of course, mm -hmm. with the health and everything, I totally agree. I, I think we should just follow whatever the government puts together and whatnot. But it just seems that we're very slow and hesitant and scared right now to do almost anything right now. Um, but it seems that you're actually moving a lot and doing a lot out there in Haiti. Um, and yeah, I think so it's, just, it's exciting. It's just different. Yeah. <laughs> so um, COVID in Haiti isn't currently a, a big issue. Mm -hmm. um, so we we don't make decisions based on how bad COVID is because uh -huh. our hospitals aren't full of patients with COVID. So it's, we're making decisions from a completely different position where in the U S right now, you, you know, you have hospitals that suddenly in the span of like a month, I think Loma Linda had up, upwards of like 300 patients suddenly. Mm -hmm. And now they're down to like under 150 or something like the numbers just change so quickly. Whereas mm -hmm. in Haiti, the hospitals have been pretty much empty the whole time. So why would we completely lock down a country when we don't really have a high incidence of, of COVID? Mm -hmm. Which is, which is an, that's amazing. But then also it's, it, to me, it, it is two different worlds in, in mm -hmm. like a perspective thing, but it's really awesome to see that um, there are missionaries that are traveling outside of the country Right. And living an entirely in like an entirely different world, you know, um, detached from not totally detached, but they're creating communities, building and growing. And I think it all of this information that you're sharing with me really excites me to go out there. I can see why people are passionate about traveling and uh, doing mission work and being driven to do it. Uh, because it sounds to me that you're having a lot of fun doing it and you feel and to me, it seems that um you have like a really good purpose uh, while you're out there. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the same? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <clears throat> it's been a, a really good opportunity. We, um, on Sabbath, on Saturday, we had a prayer retreat and it just, our goal was just to kind of pray for the hospital. And we met with some of the hospital leadership and worked on just really praying for the hospital and, and trying to <clears throat> encourage each other and kind of make, not necessarily make plans for the hospital, but just pray for the hospital and pray for encouragement and, and help where it's needed in the hospital. And we've had some really good opportunities this year to um, grow the hospital and increase its opportunities. And so we're just really excited about those um, 
those different factors in growing the hospital and allowing to allowing it to take care of more people. Mm-hmm. And, and do you think these prayer retreats also bring the community together, at least the the clinical side, um, seeing everybody for um, not just their specialty, but for who they are as a person and indiv- in, as an individual themselves as well? Does it help with like uh, team working uh, and team building amongst the clinic, inside the clinic? Yeah, definitely. So we, um, this was mainly hospital leadership, but one of the major things that was proposed that they had done in the past was they have suggested having like an employee prayer retreat and inviting the the hospital staff and getting them involved. And I think that's a really cool opportunity to connect with one another and grow closer together as a team Mm -hmm. because our goal is the same as to take care of people, but we may do that in different ways. So, <clears throat> if our autoclave is working, we can do surgeries. If mm-hmm. it's not working, we can't do surgeries. So yeah. just because you're not necessarily taking care of a person doesn't mean you're not involved in the process. <clears throat> wow. So. That is a really connected hospital. And I'm not going to say compared to United States versus Haiti, but um, with your experience working in the United States and then working in a community that you're currently working in, um, what would your, not your advice be, I, I guess, like, what are your, um, what are your thoughts on the differences of where you were working before? We don't talk about workplace environment. We're just talking about normal work environment in the United States in comparison to like Haiti right now that you're working. What do you think like those um, two working areas are different? Mm-hmm. How do they differ? It's different in the same. Um, mm. So in the U.S. it was, my experience was in a private clinic separate from a hospital. And so I can't really speak to the okay. hospital experience. So I, that I can't really speak to, but my experience in the clinic was, um, we had a solid team, but I wouldn't say I would go hang out with them after dinner mm-hmm. or, you know, or I wouldn't go like eat dinner with everybody at work. Mm-hmm. You know, work is, is work and not necessarily that they were bad people. It's just, when you finish the day at work, you want to go home and relax. Mm-hmm. And here it seems more that at the end of the day, you invite your friends next door to come over and have dinner. And it's just, it's a different environment. Mm-hmm. And it seems so, that you really enjoy it. Uh, yeah. My wife and I have really, really had fun so far. <clears throat> and if I were, and if you were to be talking to somebody that may be on the fence about going out and, doing what you're doing right now, uh, what would your advice be? Um, so I would say just start making a plan. So my wife and I had planned for quite some time on coming down here. We, we created a five-year plan when we got married and our kind of our five-year plan was to, um, work on lowering our student debt or eliminating it and, getting ready to go internationally and saving up some money so that we could go internationally. So we, we planned our, our year that if we couldn't find somebody to pay us, we would be able to pay out of pocket mm-hmm. and, and have a savings for that. Mm-hmm. And so we, <clears throat> we, we do have that money saved up if we need it, mm-hmm. but not, we've been lucky enough that we haven't had to use much of it. Oh, 
seeing that. So that's awesome. coming up with a plan is just, is really important and making space for those plans to happen and searching them out. We spent quite a bit of time looking for a place to go and it was surprisingly hard to find a place that wanted us to come. Really? Um, my wife has a master's in nursing education and mm-hmm. I have a master's in orthotics and prosthetics and we struggled to find places that would accept us. <laughs> yeah. So, so don't be discouraged by that. Keep mm-hmm. looking. Um, there's definitely options out there. And if you are looking for context, I can help put you in contact with someone. Oh, that's, that's awesome. <clears throat> and how did you, and of course I just want to know how you, how did you get to Michael Moore and how did Michael Moore convince you to do this? Um, so on our list, on our short list of places to go was kind of to talk with Loma Melinda because we had, known that they were planning on opening something internationally. So we kept that open and a possibility, but there were some other places we wanted to look into first and they just totally didn't pan out. So Mm. at the time I had four years of experience and I said, in a year, my wife and I are looking at coming and we'd be interested in doing something like your um, organization is involved with and we'd love to help out. And their response was, you have to have five years of experience. It's like, well, I'm I'm looking in a year to come, and I currently have four. Well, you have to have five years. So, and it was just like we kept running into no matter what it was, we just kept running into these small barriers that just prevented it from happening. And it wasn't necessarily people being mean or bad. It just mm-hmm. the the stars didn't align. And so finally, we spoke to Loma Linda and kind of had had them on our list and mentioned it to them. And they said, well, we might have an opportunity for you. Let's talk a little bit. And they came back and spoke about Haiti and asked us if we wanted to come visit. And so we, we came and visited. And after that, it was kind of history. We ended up here. So, mm-hmm. and, <clears throat> and I, another thing I, I think that I've drawn from everything you've said, and, uh, even if your experience, right. Cause you're, you have experience, you have medical experience, you've done what you need to do. And she also has experience as well. But going into it, it seems that you're using a lot of things that you've developed over time, uh, your ability to fix things and repair things, um, uh, your leadership skills. You haven't really, I mean, to me, I feel like you do have leadership skills or you're at least developing really good leadership skills as you're out there. And it seems that um, a lot of the things that you were uh, you've been maintaining or you've been helping build over time kind of shown through. So even if you were a missionary and you're unsure if you're absolutely prepared for the medical, strictly medical, you might have talents that also will show through as it needs, as need be. Of course, when you're out there, did you feel that um, you've, you're becoming more of a leadership role and you're starting to um, show a little bit more of your talents and you're excited about using those talents out there as well. Do you see that as well that you're happening? Um, or do you feel like I you're not as say much, a leader? As much of, I guess the using the talents, I would say I've definitely used more of my talents here than in the U S Mm-hmm. Um, I think people forget like hospitals have so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, they have doorknobs. What, what do you do if a doorknob breaks? You, you go to the store, you buy one and you install it. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal in the U S here. It's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, doorknobs break. So if you can repair a doorknob, you could be useful at a hospital internationally. <laughs> so it, just because you can't, you know, do surgery on someone doesn't mean you're not going to be useful to that hospital. Mm. Um, 
digging ditches is useful at a hospital. We had a water line break and we had to dig up, dig a hole and repair a water line. If you can work with, you know, PVC piping. So it just, I wouldn't get discouraged about your abilities and I would just go and see how you can be useful because if you show up, someone will find something for you to do <laughs> nine times out of 10. Um, we have students here come all the time. You can install lights. You can install, you know, there's, we'll find something for you to do. Um, the leadership aspect of it, I would say, um, I wouldn't say I'm, it's kind of hard because I currently am helping to run the, we hire laborers for the day mm -hmm. to like work on the swimming pool. That's not necessarily hospital maintenance. That's more of a new building project. And so we hire people daily to do that. And so the hospital kind of has a list of people that we often use for big projects that we're doing around campus. Maybe it's um, building a, you know, tearing down a wall in a room so that we can have a double room or whatever it is. We have people that we hire for that. So we've been, I've been kind of managing those crews and that's been a, a definitely a growing experience in a management aspect. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I wouldn't say it's not necessarily related to my field of, of work. And mm -hmm. so I'm definitely getting management experience, but it's not necessarily related to orthotics and prosthetics, which is what I'm really excited about and what I'm really um, looking forward to doing down here. And when, about what's the timeline? You were saying um, hopefully you'll get the tank, you'll get all of the shipping containers and everything out. So you're thinking, um, so when you're going to be starting the clinic and start actually doing seeing patients and whatnot, if everything goes as expected, you're, you want to get started in like four weeks? I think that's when the shipping container will, I'm, I shouldn't say, I think I'm optimistic and hopeful <laughs> that the shipping container will arrive to the campus in four weeks. And then I can start unpacking the equipment and start installing it. So we're still maybe the best case scenario. We're maybe six weeks away from starting to, to actively be able to make things for patients. Yeah. Away from making it. <clears throat> so we still have some time to go, but, Sorry, I'm just kind of getting over a cold for my voice. No, 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 don't apologize. I just want to thank you for your time. I mean, there's a lot of information. You've gone from, we're talking about a clinic, we're talking about all these people that you've met. Um, honestly, this is a lot of really good information. If I was somebody that was listening in and I was wanting to get into missions, um, I would actually be very excited to come and visit um, your facility, you know, and, um, and or help at any point and hopefully we'll have some conversation and uh, I can put down some links down below. Uh, I, should I put down the same links that I had from before uh, for the donations and whatnot? Yeah, um, you absolutely can. <clears throat> and uh, if there's anything else that you'd like to send me or any points or tips, I can also put that in the comments down below. And uh, I just want to thank you so much, Tim, for um, your time, <laughs> your time to talk to us. And hopefully we can have another conversation in a week or in two, whenever you feel up to it, um, when the projects are moving forward or um, anything like that. What do you think? 
Yeah, so we could do. Is this on the record or off the record? <laughs> well, okay. Well, well, uh, I'm gonna. We're gonna just end everything right now. We just want to say have a good day, and also thank you so much for uh, joining us from day. Uh, joining us today uh, from Germany. I did see somebody from Germany, Canada, uh, and just thank you for joining us internationally as well. Thank you so much. You have a good night, and uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon.